Welcome to the Mediumship Sisters podcast. Follow our evolution as we explore spirit, share stories and teachings in our soul's path. We are your hosts. Sierra. Emily. Mariana. And Paige. Welcome everyone to season four, episode two. We are thrilled to be all together again today. As mediums, we have the opportunity to bring messages and evidence and support from the other side and discussing and lessening the fears around death and dying is very important to all of us. Our guest today is an award-winning director, producer, and writer who we had the pleasure of interviewing for In the Realm of Death and Dreaming. And now the second film in this trilogy docuseries, Saying Goodbye, Preparing for for Death, addresses mortality head-on where viewers are guided through what is a good death. Please welcome again, Joanna Lunn. Welcome, Joanna. Welcome. Thank you. I love being here. So... Yeah, please tell us about your docu-series and the in this newest um episode or or um I guess you would call it episode, right? Episode two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I also call them chapters sometimes. I sort of okay. like the book analogy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know, but we could call it call it just number two. So it is um uh the first uh, documentary looked at does consciousness continue after death and some stories of near-death experiences and deathbed visitations and some conversations with uh, scientists and people who have spent their entire careers you know at the bedside or studying that question about consciousness and how do you get a handle on it or not Um, and then this second one saying goodbye preparing for death it's really this space of, um, you know, can you can look at the film from two ways. One, that death is close to you and you need to really think about what do you want? How do you care for someone who's dying or how am I going to face my journey? And uh, so really it starts with conversation. How do we have that conversation? And, and explores um, what, what is a good death what is a conscious death? What does that mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, throw just sort of sprinkled a little bit with things like that you might consider that we never do, like what will your deathbed be like? You know, because where you die, like the physical aspect of it is as important as the people that you choose to have around you. Um, I mean, really, uh, I mean, I think Olivia Bearham, who is the the death midwife, the death doula who I interview in this episode says, you can't be staring at a blank wall, you know, or a poster, you know, from some action movie, you know, she she didn't say that, but, you know, I always think like, you know, where, what do you want to, what do you want to look at? You know, what do you, Mm -hmm. do you want music? Do what do you hear? Who do you want? All of those things. So that's, that's really what this chapter of the trilogy is is looking at and mm-hmm. i feel like when when you're mentioning um olivia and what she was saying about the death bath and preparing your home is i felt like when i wanted to have my children at home like a home birth and how i was preparing my environment with music like it's just just made me realize the connection mm-hmm. of like why do i disconnect and i think that i cannot choose the way i die and 
right? Like I cannot prepare myself for it. Like, why are we not? Yeah, like I'm emotional, so I could cry right now. But like, why, why, why can we just choose that, right? Like, it's just and have our loved ones next to us. And and I mean, it was just such a beautiful, the whole mm-hmm. thing, like just informative, yeah. beautiful. Yes, you, you raise such an important part here. I mean, an, an end of life is one of many things in our lives where we have been taken, the power in a way has been usurped from us, taken away. Like, you know, as if someone else, it used to be like, oh, a doctor is going to make all of these decisions for you, uh-huh. you know, or your priest is going to make all these decisions for you or all of these other, but it's our bodies. It's our spirit. It is our life and how we sculpt it and we have free will and we're constantly creating the world that we're in but we've given so much away and I know with my um my mother-in-law when she was really sick she didn't want to make any decisions she would just she was like well the doctor will tell us what to do I'm like Evelyn no yeah yeah (laughs) he doesn't love you (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. And I think the importance of hospice and that hospice has finally, it feels to me, the tides have turned. It's again, being embraced in a way that for so long, I remember in the late nineties, my grandfather was passing, we expressed, you know, that he was at home on hospice and it was this foreign concept that was almost looked not only down upon, but completely misunderstood. Like, why wouldn't you be giving him all of the possible medical care he could have in a sterile, cold, beeping hospital yeah. room. Mm-hmm. instead of having his three daughters there singing, you know, they, they embraced, um, oh, John Denver, and we were singing country roads, take me home. And this feeling of, yeah, singing him out of these memories and of this life and allowing that peace to be at home. Um, He actually passed with my grandmother in the bed next to him. She wanted to sleep with him until the end and how hard it would be to leave this life without those comforts. Um, And what a disservice that has been. Have we sterilized death to the point of forgetting the emotional aspect of it, which I love that you brought in so directly into this film, but then again, creating the conversations within our families, because if we don't express these needs to our loved ones, Mm -hmm. things happen. You have to make these rash decisions at the end. And if you do leave it to doctors, it can look so drastically different than what you had hoped. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. And that difference, sorry, sorry, go ahead, Johanna. Oh, I was just gonna say, well, a very dear um, friend of mine, her, her husband died very, very unexpectedly. You know, he woke up and he thought he had food poisoning. And by the end of the night, he was dead. Ooh. And so he, they have twin daughters and um, they, they couldn't find any of his last, you know, whatever wishes he wanted. So of course he's just died. And they're like, are you an organ donor? Oh, yeah. And then there was this fight. Yes, he is. No, he's not. Yes, he is. No, he's oh. not. Yes, he is. No, it's like, okay, out of this room right now. <laughs> <You know? Yeah. laughs> wow. And, and it's, and it's just because they, they 
were grieving so hard. The loss was so sudden. It was, mm -hmm. it was the worst of the worst that you could, you know, I mean, there's so many worse ways, but you know, it, yeah. it was terrible and they were young and, you know, they, this is what they had to glom onto instead of holding each other right. and mm -hmm. sobbing, you know, right. they had to relate to a doctor. It was, it was just, it was just really, really I don't want anyone to have to go through that, you know, well, and the removal of the body so soon without that time to spend re realizing that the body is, is the carrier for soul. And you can love and respect this, this being that has been left behind this physical form that we see, but without that time to process the disconnect, I think there is so much disservice we've done and where I think, not to tout mediumship, but that it has allowed some of that healing to come through when we can say, I, I saw you with my body. I witnessed you grieving at my bedside. I, I heard your final words. It's such a gift that has enabled, I think, some people to heal in the absence of the ability to do it. Like you said, yeah. when harvesting the organs bedside. Yeah. 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 For yeah. me, like one, one thing that I realized when, when I was listening to the documentary is that the doctors are there to preserve life, yeah, not to get us ready to die. Mm -hmm. And I was like, boom, <laughs> like, this is it. Like, do I want another week to live or do I want to die the way I want? Like, are we, do we know we have choices? Like, do we, are we planning for it? Like, as I was saying, for like my home birth, which actually didn't happen, but I felt that I was honoring that ritual of my body and that connection. Mm -hmm. And I wanna do the same when I die. Maybe it, it, something else would happen, but at least I wanna have the choice in my head and I wanna talk about it with my family. Mm -hmm. And I wanna have my kids around, like all these things. It's just, it was it was, in, like really eye-opening. Um, for me and I hope for, for other people as well. The thing with like healing and not curing and healing happens when we feel safe. And if you're in a hospital with monitors and things happening, you don't feel safe yeah. and, and your family either, right? So mm -hmm. um, it was beautiful. Oh, I keep saying this. Yeah, it was <laughs> so beautiful. I had a personal, I've, I lost my mom in the last couple months. So watching this movie, I kind of relived a little bit of, uh, the emotions and in the scenes. And we, I took care of my mom for the last couple years. Um, she had dementia and then she got cancer. So it was, you know, an interesting dynamic, but we've been having discussions because she knows, you know, I do mediumship and we, she, she helped write her obituary. She, um, we, we had these discussions when she could, um, she, you know, wanted to be home. And I knew that was like a strong desire. She had a cat. She wanted to be with her cat. Um, so we ended up taking her home. Unfortunately, she had months and months of back and forth in the hospital. And I just, I just had to get out of the, you know, we had to get out of there. <laughs> um, you know, uh, so we had bird feeders set up around the, her house. Cause every window, she loved bird watching. So, every, and you know, my husband actually owns a bird store, a wild bird store. So we have, you know, 
all kinds of feeders in every window. So she had a view of nature, her birds. Um, and then, you know, at the end when she wasn't able to get up, she had beautiful Zen music in her room and um, flickering candles um, with the, you know, the shades pulled a little bit so it's not so bright in there. And her cat was on the bed 24 seven, basically. And I was living there. And so I had my dogs there. So we were always with her in her bed. And I was so thankful for all, there were so many special moments. Um, and my brother came. And so it was my brother and I holding her hand at the end and her cat and my dog in the bed. And, you know, as much as it's really, really hard to go through that, I am so grateful of the time that I devoted to her and the ability for her to have our hands on this side and release and be welcomed by her, her, my dad's and her, her, her parents on the other side. And, and we had a beautiful pre her priest come and bless her and a beautiful story of how she just woke up and said the our father prayer verbatim with the priest, you know, days before she passed when she wasn't even, uh, you know, coherent most of the time. And there was like so much beauty in it. And it's, mm -hmm. Like, I'm just so thankful. It's very hard and we still grieve, you know, as, hu you know, human beings. And even though we're sensitive um, and we're aware, I could like sense what she needed. I could tell if she was hot or, you know, needed to be warm. Um, but she was, ha she was happy in that moment when like, like when she did pass and my brother and I were there and we could see her last kind of gap, like little gasp for air and we sat there and waited and you could feel the room energy kind of like amplify. And then it was like an hour or so, and then it changed. You could feel the, the, that she had released. And it was really interesting energetically for me to witness, but it was such a beautiful thing. And I, and the day before she passed, even she was very, you know, out of it. I mean, she was pretty much sleeping most of the time and not really talking, not eating, not drinking. Um, but she did wake up when the nurses came one day and thank the nurses. It was like the day, be maybe two days before she passed, thank the mm. nurses, thanked me for all the wonderful care, like very coherently. And then back to sleep, you know, and it was huh. like her, they're like, your mom looks so beautiful today. And her eyes were bright and gorgeous. And it was, it was beautiful. I have all those wonderful memories and it shouldn't be as scary or fearful or, and I think more people need to do that, um, to honor their parents who brought them into the world, you know, yeah. help them guide them back home basically. And so this movie really, really touched me in a lot of ways and hospice was wonderful. And, um, this conversation is just, um, needed. And I'm so glad that you did these movies to, mm -hmm. to help awareness. So thank you and be beautifully done. And all your experts are just lovely. Yeah. We'd like to have a dinner party with all of your experts in a room. Yeah. <laughs> we decided yeah. they're lovely people. We're like, oh, it would be so fun to ask them this and this and this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, I think that it was the one part that got me the most was the little girl um, who helps with her grandmother. And, you know, and I find it really interesting because in North American culture, it's like, no, 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 don't show them the body and don't like the little kids shouldn't be involved and just, no, 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 they shouldn't even come. They can't see this. And I'm like, well, hold on. But you need to understand that 
this is just a body and then that you know the spirit is left because most of the time the children know that the spirit is there right like they connect with the spirit and they can feel it and see it and hear it and things and so it's such a backwards thing in North American culture to not allow the children to be a part of that and in the movie it was beautiful because um I believe it was Olivia that was talking about the little girl and how she came and she was so excited to help with grandma and put the makeup on her and get her dressed where all the older ladies kind of left the room like they just were didn't know oh, I don't know what to do with this and they were kind of uncomfortable because she was young it was just like no no no, this is great she's gonna like this and this and I was like oh that's just so fantastic like it was so nice I think too just to bring it into this movie so people can see that and understand that it was really important to this little girl to be included in that, right? So it gives people um, kind of a, a nice starting point to understand that this is really good for them and that they should be a part of this process, so. Yeah, yeah. and the fact that children don't really fear it as much as we think they might. Yeah, um, my son's 16 and um, they weren't with me or at the home when my mom did pass, but I called them and I said, you know, mom passed and they said, we'll be right over. And my son and my husband came over and my son went right into my my mom's room his grandmother mm -hmm. and it makes me emotional because he's just so brave um yeah. sorry but he held her hand and like kissed her and it was just like i love you grammy and it was just they're not they're not as afraid or they just get it <laughs> they just do and it's so natural and I'm just so thankful. Um, my daughter was at college, so she wasn't around, but it was, um, it was so nice to have my family there as well, you know, supporting and everyone around. And it was so beautiful, um, for, for that process. And yeah, like the children want to be there. They're, they're not, you know, I think we, we'd always be like, oh, the children don't need to see this or it's not, you know, like they're trying to protect them and and, and really they need to be involved. Um, yeah. for, for their own. Sure, right. Like they might say no, but. but right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Invited. To be invited. Uh, yes. And in another part that to me was fascinating was the um, really remove ourselves and listen to the person who's dying. Like that was also like a big part. And I think we do it unconsciously. We have the opportunity to be around and we say, you can go where, okay. You can go where, okay. Right. Like, I feel like we all do that somehow, but knowing how important it is and how our nervous systems are connected. And then if we're afraid, they feel that. So yeah. how are they going to let go if of course you matter to them and then wanna, they want to still be connected to your needs, right? But if you yeah. just listen and remove and relax, like I think Paige, you did it beautifully with your mom, like honestly. So mm -hmm. they go in peace, right? You let them have their process. Again, it connects to birth for me so much. Yeah. Let the mama have the birth. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it should be just as special as a big, as almost a celebration of welcoming a baby as letting them go home. It needs to be as special and surrounded with compassion and love and, and right. Not the fear is that was really nice. How you said that Mariana about the energy, cause it is felt, you know, that's how we it's set right. each other. Yeah. Yes. I would like to ask you, Johanna, what, 
what did you learn in this process? What was your takeaway from making this, this Mm -hmm. chapter in your series? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's hard for me to separate out, you know, each film because these were really fulsome conversations that I had with all of these people who I regard as my friends now. I mean, I, I just love these people and the generosity that they, they just, they were so happy to talk about this, you know? Um, and in many cases it's like, oh, oh, I've been wanting to do this for years. Like nobody's asked me and I have all of this information. So um, it's hard to split it out by movie, um, but wow. I mean, going into it, I knew um, I, I wanted to demystify death um, really address fear um, because uh, that's that's such a big obstacle for us culturally in ways that so many people aren't even aware of that our fear of death prevents us from doing a lot a lot of things you know it might be little things like making a mistake and it's like oh they're going to kill me for this right. well right. that's interesting language right, <laughs> right. You know, right? oh my right. god so um, you know, fear and relating to fear, that was a really big thing for me. Um, but I, I think that the biggest, the biggest, you know, gifts in a way were empowering things that I sensed, but I didn't fully, wasn't fully conscious of like, um, Anne-Marie and, and in the third, we really go into this more, but just that as a person is dying, their consciousness is, you know, really going out from their body so i'd had the experience of knowing that walking into the room of someone who's dying is an incredibly charged situation it's like it's not like where you know it wasn't like at the front door it's like in this room however it's electric you know it is really really charged so i knew that but for her to really explain that you know that consciousness unravels in this particular way really was like a key that unlocked for me everything about how important that environment is Mm. you know because this is exactly what we want to support is that very um natural letting go and Mm. you could say it's it's that you're letting go of the the clinging ego part that wants to stay because it loves you and it likes chocolate and it likes sunrises and it likes you know all of these things and but that those are the things every step of the way is a certain kind of letting go and expanding out and a moving into you know and so everything that we do should be to help support that process because doing it also supports us so that we can move into a healthy grief when they're gone and and as they're going because we're grieving as soon as you know that someone's dying you start your grieving you know so that process is there and and when we deny that process of death Mm -hmm. we're blocking our own ability to love and to grieve and to feel so I think that was for me that was like the biggest like you know landing that information was Mm -hmm a real gift, a real gift. That's beautiful. I, I agree. When we allow ourselves to witness and be a part of the process, 
we are then healing our own emotional journey along with theirs. And to witness the consciousness in a room of someone passing, there is something incredibly electrifying about it for sure. I appreciated um, Julie's take on her patient, particularly because that experience that several of us, all of us here have had that feeling of the voice in your head that tells you things and you question it, but at the same time, it's so pure and such a, it's such a direct consciousness to love is how I like to describe mediumship that it's hard to question it. It's hard to, to take it other than just the literal love that you felt in that moment, whether anyone else can understand it or absorb it in the same way you have to accept that moment as your own gift as the uh, the attachment and the love from consciousness to consciousness without the physical realm in between mm-hmm. yeah yeah because i think we do kind of go out a little with them too you know right right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. we're experiencing them on that different level as well that sensing feeling mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah and that part of capacity to receive yes oh Mm. my gosh it was like so many i had so many i have so many notes because i kept just taking notes like our capacity to receive like reverend it's a reverend olivia right who said that Mm -hmm. i was like goodness lord of course it's all linked together because if we receive our death and that process and natural unfolding then it's all okay and then we actually live more. So mm-hmm. yeah, so many, like, how, how did you do this and put all these people together and saying these beautiful things? I was just, and uh, this question I wanted to ask you, um, what would a good death be for you? Because you asked that to everybody. All right. What, what would it be for you, Johanna? Um, well, a good death for me is being at home. I I live in a teeny little cottage that looks out at the mouth of Halifax Harbor. So it looks out into the Atlantic Ocean. And there's an island and a lighthouse across the way. So I would like to be home and I would like to be that's what I want to be looking at because it's the endless sky that is always shifting and changing and the sun rises in front of me and the moon rises in front of me. And, you know, to me, the whole world unfolds out the back of my house and uh, so I I want to I want to be there and I um I want uh you know part of what I want isn't necessarily what is best like I would like my daughter to be there if she feels she can do that you know because she might not and so I respect that too um I know things that I don't want you know, I, mm-hmm. I don't want, um, what is it? Metallica playing another one bites the dust. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but I do have some music that I would very much like to listen to. Uh, I'm going for Metallica. No, <laughs> well, for some people it's like, you know, I know. that's yeah. their energy, you know, and, yeah. and I'm, I'm much more of a, a bit of a hermit energy, you know, so I'm, I that's like cute. to do it in a softer way. Yeah um and uh but i you know i've thought about do i want a living funeral or not and i i don't think so um partly because 
I'm the kind of person that um, uh, if there's a party going on, like I'm, I'm paying attention to it. You know, like I could be in another room and there's people having animated conversations and they're laughing and they're having a great time. And mm -hmm. I'm completely keyed into that room, even if I'm in, and I'm, this is an example for me because I've had chronic migraines my whole life. So I've spent a lot of time in a dark room hearing other people in other parts of the house. And I know I can't rest if there's all this action going on around me. And I think a living funeral is not going to let me let go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> going right. to want me, you know, more, more, more stories, more stuff. Yeah. 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 So for me, you know, I'd like that, that my goodbyes happened more, um, individually, you know, mm -hmm. and, um, and, and really just very, very simple. I don't think I require a whole lot. I just do want to know that I've put my life in order, um, for so many people, for all of us, actually, not just so many, it's really important to, um, you know, make meaning of your life. You know, and I think I am pretty much at peace with, I, I know who I am and I, I know the things that I've been able to do that have been helpful. You know, I also know where my mistakes were and I've forgiven myself pretty much, except for one. Um, <laughs> <you know? laughs> except for one. Yeah. Except for one. Yeah. Um, and so I, so I feel like it's just a simple thing. I want things to be very natural you know, want, want mm -hmm. nature is really huge for me. So I want that. And I want a green burial, you know, mm -hmm. and I definitely want my body to lay in state for three days before anything happens, mm. you know, and I, I know for people, the question of being an organ donor is a really big one. And I've really wrestled with that one because I know that it can be very helpful for others. You know, mm -hmm. I really do. But I also think just to be on the safe side, and this is selfish, you know, if I wasn't prepared for that, and the moment I died, my body was being harvested, I could very easily freak out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I don't, I don't think I could handle that. You know, I just, I just, you don't have to be on some people, there's their, their meditation is so together, they're just really non attached and all of these things. And uh -huh. I'm not so sure that I'm that person. So for, for me, that conscious death, death is really the environment that allows me <clears throat> to tune in and release and release and release. Yeah, I feel that. I definitely feel that. I was also considering the living, the living funeral. Um, but I am like you, like if I'm in a party, I'm like making sure that everybody's okay. And I, I actually thought about like, how do I really want to die? And I would like to be at home as well. People coming in and out, like I'm just at home, I'm dying. Mm -hmm. Kids can come in. Like if I have the opportunity to choose, right? Because it could yeah. be sudden. Uh, but if it's a process, I would like to have that process of saying goodbye slowly. Mm -hmm. And also the part of managed suffering. Um, right manage suffering i don't need to be suffering uh i know one should relax. no so um i thought about those things um and just listening and having conversations and like really feeling like it's natural like that word keep coming to me and having my kids sit next to me if they choose to again giving them the time right because i i know that for me when my grandmother passed i 
I know she was kind of hanging on so I could arrive. So I was in the airplane and I had a dream. Uh, and I know she, she passed because of how the dream uh, was and what she told me. So when I, when I arrived to Mexico, I already knew. So my dad is like, well, we're, we're not gonna go to the hospital anymore because I'm like, I know she did, she's dead. Because she came to my dream and I would have liked to have the process to say goodbye to her. That's what I mean, like, um, so that's what will be kind of my wish. And obviously to have a beautiful, beautiful space, uh, my home where I feel safe. What about you ladies? Anybody wants to share? How do you want to yeah, die? I would say the same thing. I'm like my family, my animals, a beautiful view, um, comfortable surroundings, uh, good smells, uh, you know, beautiful music. I love classical music, actually. I think that's most relaxing for me. Um, or like, you know, water sounds or nature sounds. Um, if I wasn't able to open the windows or open the windows so I could hear the birds, yeah. um, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. Uh, and just being able to, uh, you know, having a, having, a an opportunity to say goodbye to your loved ones and friends. And that's important too, I think for, for me. Um, but I tell my kids and my family every day, I love you uh, every time they leave the door. So, you know, I make sure I do that just in case. <laughs> but um, what about you guys? What about Sierra or Emily? What do you think? Same, similar? I gotta get myself a house on the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> I, know. I know where I want to be, but I'm not living there yet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm manifesting a house by the ocean so I can listen to the waves. <laughs> yeah. Can open my patio doors and I can just listen to the birds and hear like the bed waves. on wheels. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I like it. Roll me right out there. Put oh, me on the deck. Yeah. I've got an umbrella because I'm on the West Coast. It's definitely going to be wet. <laughs> Vortex blanket over my bed. I'm solid. Just talk yeah. about nature. I'm, that's where I want to be for sure. And yeah. I think, too, for thinking about those of our loved ones that haven't or don't get the opportunity to have this peaceful death through tragedy or accident or sudden illness, having the conversations with family that then allow us to say, okay, they, they didn't get that, but what pieces of their wish can we still honor mm -hmm. in order for them to witness some of that final piece that they asked for in some way. And I appreciate what your series and your website are doing by offering ways for us to connect to our loved ones and our friends and our family and have these conversations, you know, for so long, I think I always go into the history of why do we do these things, my curiosity. And I do believe there is a bit of this leftover Victorian feeling of those are the private things that happen in private rooms behind private doors and we don't discuss them and we don't bring the children in there to be seen, not heard. And we are breaking down these constructs and deciding what we want it to be now. And I know there is resistance sometimes in relationships with loved ones who want to be in the hospital or they're going to fight until the last moment. And to understand that those two are their wishes and it may not fit at all the oceanside view on the bed that Sierra and I share. <laughs> <laughs> but that we need to have these conversations, whether it's at Thanksgiving or if it's, you know, a summer vacation, how can we 
really embrace, like Mariana said, the same graciousness and capacity of what we do when we bring life into the world. How can we then hold the same reverence as life is, is exiting? So I, I just appreciate you and, and what you're doing to bring these conversations forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Me too. I feel so lucky that we kind of found you, <laughs> that we came upon you and your films and get to be part of the conversation and just sharing you um, on our podcast. We're just honored to have you and your vision and your movie, movies. Um, can you tell us about what is coming after this film? What is the next one in your series? Um, the third one is called The Architecture of Death. And it's the inner world of dying. So saying goodbye was a little bit more of the outer world. This goes deeper into the last, you know, weeks, days, and moments before death. Um, and there are a whole host of phenomena that you guys are probably familiar with because uh, yeah. Marianne, you just mentioned one of those key ones of having your grandmother come to visit you she died and you you knew and um that's a very common end of life experience of you know as you're approaching death and and after the ability for consciousness to travel non-locally is just it's bam it's a hundred percent there it's part of that expansion of consciousness going out so all kinds of things can happen in that space um uh, shared death experiences where sometimes um we journey with our loved one right up to the point you know where they're beyond our you know we're sort of sent back um and that can be incredibly healing for for some people you know or confusing for others you know (laughs) but if we normalize the conversations it won't be so confusing um and then uh the light changing in a room, a certain smell coming into the room, even sometimes music or heard things, um, you know, and of course, deathbed visitations, that's, you know, just yeah. a given that the vast majority of us will have that experience. Yeah. Um, and so the the film really kind of goes through that. And also we try to come Uh, a little bit in tandem with that around how the family constellation is changing because as, as our loved one is dying, you know, um, it's, it's, it's scary. And it's scary because we don't have any reference points in our life for this person to be gone for the most part. That is true. And so, you know, um, it's not unusual for families to resort to their childhood selves, you know, like, my brothers and I, it was like, I was in junior high again, and they were in high school and my father was dying. And it's just like, oh God, really do I have to do this? <laughs> but apparently we do. Yeah. <laughs> and that's okay. So that's, those are things that we need to allow uh, and understand too, is that as someone's dying, we are changing. There's part of us that is dying, you know, because our our consciousness is so interlinked with the people that we love, you know, it's, it's, and I mean, we are connected to the entire world, probably the galaxy and beyond. I don't know, but, but, you know, especially with a mother, a father, a sibling, a dear friend, a husband, a child, 
you know, these are, these are just such deep, deep connections. So it's, it's, it's a part of us that's dying. So I really wanted to um, bring attention to that as, mm -hmm. as well. Um, and I think really, because if we understand that these things are happening, we know how to support someone who's dying better. Yeah. You know, I think all of that really comes around. It's both the benefit for ourselves, but it's an enlightened self-interest that we know how to validate someone who's dying. We know how to help them find meaning in their life because that's hard for some people. You know, it might be that they feel like they have accomplished nothing in their life and you know, they have, they absolutely have. No one is worthless on this planet, you know, and and so I think that that's really helpful too. We have, we live in such a difficult culture that everybody has to be, you know, shiny, bright rock star out there killing it every day. And that is just a, a marketing ploy to make you feel crappy. So you spend money on things that, you know, oh, you know, you'll, you'll feel better if you buy Burt's lip balm, you know, well, <laughs> it might work, but you know, I don't know that that's the value of my well being is based on, you know, a new dress or a new this or a new that, you know, it doesn't mean we can't love and enjoy the material world because that's the world we live in, but our value, our self-worth is not got anything to do with those things and so we're we're fighting an uphill battle in a sense where the conversation we're having and the conversations that you guys have on your podcast amongst yourself mm -hmm. you know the bravery that you have brought to mediumship to talk about your fears of you know should I come out or not and you know all of these great beautiful conversations um, are so important because we're reclaiming our humanity. So that's a long-winded thing about what the, the the third episode is like. But it's you know, it's, it's so that's motivation true. for the whole it's thing. It's so true, though. It's really bringing us back to the essence of who we are and why we're here and what we're. We really do have a responsibility to kind of guide people in and out of this world. I mean, that's. Mm -hmm what a blessing that is. And I'm, I am just so thankful that we found you, that you have resources on your website, your projects that you're doing. You have a podcast as well. Um, so how do people find you just kind of plug a few things if you want to, and then, um, yeah. Sure. We, uh, people can find us at whenyoudie.org. That is our website with all kinds of materials and articles and videos can also stream, uh, at rent or or buy to stream in the realm of death and dreaming the first film um, and you know stay tuned for a broader release of saying goodbye we're going to do a few more special events and uh, then probably by the fall it'll be available to rent um, but there are a lot of ways we're going to try to make it available to people to see and then the third film will come out in well in the probably late autumn, early winter. Um, so then we'll hear more about that. So when you die.org, lots of information there. We're also on Facebook, uh, when you die underscore org, I think it is. And we're on Twitter and Instagram. Instagram account is my favorite because we have lots of jokes on, on Instagram. So that, <laughs> we love that. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Joanna. You are a pleasure as always. And um, yeah, 
great conversation. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Thanks for being here. Thank you so much. I love you guys. Uh, we love you too. Yeah.